The Financial Times guides you through complex issues. In divisive times, don't settle for black and white. When you need the full perspective, turn to FT.com. Become a subscriber today. Search for FT subscription. Critical mass. That's what turns the smallest ventures into life-changing forces. Reach critical mass by joining Temenos Open Marketplace for fintechs. Opening up access to 2,000 of the world's largest financial institutions. Don't just take our word for it. Temenos Marketplace has just won Reader's Choice Best Emerging Innovative Technology Product and Service at the 2016 Banking Technology Awards. Join Temenos now. We make the money go round. Let's be honest. Most digital banking experiences just aren't that amazing. Learn how more than 180 banks worldwide, including Barclays, Deutsche Bank, and BBVA, innovate faster with Strands as their trusted fintech partner. To find out more, visit strands.com today. Hi, I'm David Breer, and welcome to the start of our Money 2020 European coverage. Over the next two weeks, we'll be speaking to some of the best and brightest from the conference, and also we'll be releasing our very first show in front of a live audience. All of this and more to come on Fintech Insider. Today, I'll be speaking to Jonathan Larson of Ping An. On to the interview. I'm now sat here with Jonathan Larson. So Jonathan, you've got two or three jobs which sound pretty impressive. So you're the Chief Innovation Officer of the group and Chairman and CEO of Ping An Global Voyager Fund. Man, that is like three big job titles you've got going on there. So tell, tell us a little bit more about what that is and, and how do you manage to fit all of that in? <laughs> well, it's really two jobs. And I am indeed the Chief Innovation Officer of Ping An. We'll talk about Ping An in a moment. Um, but, um, you know, the interesting thing about Ping An is it's already an extraordinarily innovative company and the founder, current chairman and CEO, Peter Ma, is really one of the great innovators in financial services, certainly in China. And I think uh, he'll increasingly be recognized as an innovator on the global stage. Uh, so being the chief innovation officer of this company is indeed a daunting responsibility. That sets an incredibly <laughs> high bar. Uh, but I, I think it's a, just an absolutely fascinating opportunity as well, uh, given who Ping An is. Um, the Global Voyager Fund's a new fund that we've set up, and uh, it, was, it was created as I joined the company. Um, it's a $1 billion fund, and its focus is on fintech and health tech on a global basis. And they are the two uh, primary focus areas for the company at the moment uh, in terms of its ecosystem development. And the objective of the fund is really to make sure that we are accessing systematically the best capabilities, the best innovation, the most relevant innovation on a global basis, that we're continually scouring the globe, literally, uh, to make sure you know, we have access to cutting edge technology and ideas. And so you know, in, in, in many ways, the primary rationale for the fund uh, is strategic. And I think there are three forms that that can take. One is us accessing ideas, technologies, business models, and that can be through licensing agreements, it can be through cooperation agreements, it can be through partnerships or joint ventures uh, in China. Equally, uh, we have very significant development capabilities ourselves. We have 20,000 developers, we have world-class facial recognition technology, we have world-class voice technology, uh, we have uh, platforms that run on blockchain at scale every day already. Um, so we've got a lot of technology resources 
and we can co-create in specific situations with partners that, that uh, where that's warranted. So we're very interested and keen to see whether uh, you know that's something we can bring to bear as a capability. Uh, I think that could yield some extremely interesting partnership uh, opportunities and results. Lastly, I think the group, while it is uh, overwhelmingly a China-based enterprise, uh, and of course it has some global portfolio management activities and has historically had uh, venture capital activities on a global basis, but uh, overwhelmingly it's client franchises in China. Uh, we're now at a point where we can be uh, looking in a very disciplined and thoughtful way about international opportunities, and some of those opportunities might come through partnerships in the fund. It's really interesting and, and amazing, really, you know, a billion dollar funds for, you know, for fintech. This is a huge thing. So fintech and healthcare, what, what particularly, I guess, is the, the things that are interesting you in that space? Because it's so diverse at the moment. But uh, like you say, you, you guys are no sort of stranger to innovative technology. So what, what's the particular interest? So I know you're probably going to get inundated from if you say, you know, biotech or something, you're suddenly going to get sort of uh, inundated with emails about it or blockchain or whatever. But uh, sort of throw your hat in the ring. Which are the bits that are really well, interesting you for, now? For Ping An, Ping An has the broad range of licenses and businesses in financial services in China so you know we're a very large insurance company we're the largest insurance company in the world by market cap it's big life insurer big PNC insurer we are a large bank uh, we are a large securities company we've got a, an asset management group we have a trust business we have a whole raft of new generation businesses that have been created mostly in the last five or six years um, uh, in financial services. So we have a very broad spectrum of businesses and therefore the applicability of fintech technologies is extremely broad as well. Um, obviously we have to focus on what's going to provide the most yield, what's going to be most helpful, what's going to be most complementary. On the health tech side, you know, health is a really interesting space for us. Um, there's a thesis where it's arguable that uh, health is actually an even bigger opportunity over the longer term than financial services in China. Uh, just given uh, the state-dominated health system today, uh, continuing pressure on state health budgets, the fact that you know you've got a rising uh, wealth profile in the population, you've got an aging uh, population, and you've got a dramatic shift that's already taken place and will continue to take place in consumer expectations. And uh, you know some of the health services in China are absolutely excellent today. Uh, some leave quite a lot to be desired and have a lot of evolution potential. Uh, what we're interested in health is uh, really um, information-based businesses. Our interest in the health space arose out of our own health insurance business. Private health insurance is only 5% of the uh, market today for health spending. 50% is government, the rest is out of pocket. We have a very large position within that 5%. There's basically no scenario we can see where that can't grow at above 30% almost forever, just given where we are right now. Um, we've, alongside our own health insurance, we've got a, a, a platform called gooddoctor.com, which is a um, uh, telemedicine practice uh, online, mostly driven by chat and image uh, with real doctors. Some, some of them are employed by us and some are a broader network. Think of it like the Uber of doctors. Right, uh, so good, good uh, simile there, I like uh, that. That has 140 million users today. It was valued at $3 billion at its last valuation round, uh, or last funding round. We have um, a, a clinic platform called Wanja Clinic, which um, supports an enterprise platform for about 30% of the clinics in China. Uh, we actually have an administration platform that supports the government health insurance in about 250 cities, touching 
an astonishing 600 million people in China. So we're actually administering health payments and we're helping those municipalities manage fraud and manage over-servicing. Uh, what we'd love to do is eventually um, potentially take over the liabilities and manage those liabilities on behalf of some of those municipalities on an actuarial basis. Of course, we need the data flow to be able to drive that and we need to have some ability to influence the the way in which health services are delivered in those municipalities. That's um, fa so, fascinating, though, because so it's this, all the way through, isn't it? Exactly. It's, it really is an ecosystem. And but sitting beneath all of that, we have something we call our health data cloud. And that's essentially you know, a profile that we're building up of everybody that we touch. Um, uh, and you know, we really see the future as being an information-led future and our business being an information business. Increasingly, we see uh, financial services and the value that can be generated as depending less on capital and physical assets and much more on information assets and ultimately the value coming from data use cases. Um, and we see the same thing in health. And uh, ultimately, of course, if you take that view and, and we think about our core competency and core assets as data, then you don't really need to have fixed industry boundaries at all. And there are many other industries that could you know, where a similar model could be applied. It could be travel, it could be retailing, it could be education, uh, etc. Um, we have some of those businesses. We have a, a platform called Auto Home, which we acquired, interestingly, from Telstra Australia about a year and a half ago um, in Beijing, which is the largest auto trading website uh, in China. So we've got some of those. But I guess as we look in the health space, uh, you can sort of get the flavor from the ecosystem I described that we're not particularly interested in hard asset businesses. At this stage, we don't really want to own hospitals. Uh, we don't think we need to do that. We don't particularly want to be in the equipment business. Uh, we don't particularly want to be in the pharmaceutical business. Um, all of those are globally competitive industries. Uh, they're capital intensive. They have long development cycles and technology replacement cycles. So they're some way away from you know, Ping An's natural adjacencies. Our natural adjacencies are database businesses uh, where we can add value. So in the clinic platform, for example, or in the good doctor, um, or even in the state health insurance, remote diagnostics can be a huge opportunity. And there's a vast amount of innovation happening in that space around the world, in the States, in Europe, and in Asia. Um, India is an interesting source of innovation there as well, alongside China. So uh, remote imaging uh, for radiology, for CT scans, for endoscopy, um, and remote diagnostics, whether they be AI-based or even simply centralized expertise, um, I'll, remote I'll, patient care, yeah. all kinds of solutions. It, it's, it's fascinating because like the, you know, the general principle would be do one thing and do it amazingly well. But at the scale that you can do it in China or India, actually it, it changes the dynamic really, you know, almost like you're perfecting techniques and then applying them to different industries, which, you know, it's kind of, um, you know, perfect and move on, which I find absolutely fascinating. It seems like you've got a, you know, a billion dollar fund, but you've got sort of trillions of opportunities in that, that area of the market, which is fantastic. I, I, so. I think that's right. And I think, I think what's, what's probably little understood is the scale of the China consumer market where you can take, you know, a product and scale it to 100 million users or 150 million users. I mean, we have, we have 350 million digital users in the group today across all of our platforms, Lufax, Good Doctor, Auto Home, all of the financial services businesses. Um, there is nowhere on earth where that type of scale is attainable um, you know, for these kinds of businesses. And I think that over time will have massive implications 
for the global consumer economy and the models that can be proven in large markets like China and actually uh, deployed around the world. I think we're already seeing sort of a reverse, call it a reverse flow or reverse direction of flow of innovation, uh, you know, from China to elsewhere in the world. Whereas we saw that flow come very much to China probably 10 years ago. Um, and many of the models that built in China or scaled in China were derivative from overseas models. We're now seeing that innovation and uh, direction of flow shifting. Um, and well, I think I, I think the China scale will be key to that. You kind of get to a you know scalable platforms in China make the scalable platforms that people talk about in Europe look like sort of nice little playthings. You know, it's uh, if you want to add another hundred million on something that's got uh, hundreds of millions of people on there already, it seems like an easy thing to do. Uh, whereas a you know a bank in the UK with ten million customers, it seems like a big deal. So it's um, everything is relative, I guess they say. Well, don't I, they? I think you talk to a startup here, and if they're two years in and they've got one hundred and twenty-five thousand customers. Um, that sounds fantastic. You know, a really well-established company worth billions of dollars might only have a million, 1.4, 1.5 million customers. Obviously, that's already very good and commendable. It's highly monetizable, and companies that fit those criteria are very well recognized today and very widely admired. But in China, we do have the opportunity to essentially do the same thing at 50 or 100 times the scale. Indeed, scale is always the, uh, the best thing, distribution and customers. So, uh, but John, thanks so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate you coming and spending the time with us. Um, where, where can people learn a little bit more? Because uh, I'm sure you're already inundated with uh, thousands of emails telling people they've got the, uh, the school for everything. But um, where can people find out a little bit more about you and a little bit more about the fund? Uh, well, they can track us down. We're based in Hong Kong. Uh, and. Uh, that they can feel free to seek me out directly. I'm on LinkedIn. Fantastic. All right. Thanks for joining Thanks. us. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Hope you tune in for the rest of the Money 2020 coverage in the coming weeks. We love doing it. We hope you loved listening to it. <laughs>